Hey friends, welcome to Moment with Miranda. It is that time again this week where we get in front of the mirror and we look into it. And that mirror is the Word of God and in it, that's where we get to see what we maybe haven't seen before or we get to hear something that we may have forgotten or we get to learn to live by what God says and not what everyone else around us says. So if you're tired of living by everything that they say, then this moment is for you today. I want to welcome you into the house of the delighted father. As always, he is so happy that we have chosen to come into his house. He is delighted to call us sons and daughters. It is as I am learning that I am the delight of my father, I begin to believe the words that he speaks about me. I find that I am speaking those same words in agreement over my life and I am seeing my life transformed day by day, little by little, line upon line, from glory to glory, into the glorious image of Jesus Christ, just like he promised that I would be. And I really hope that you are too. So welcome today to this moment with Miranda. I was privileged this week to get to share at a ladies group, a conference basically, on the theme of the seasons of life. If you have been on the church conference circuit, I'll call it that, for any length of time, you have probably been to a service or a conference a lot like this one that I was out. Being in a season is definitely a churchy thing that we who are associated with the church know all about. It's this term that we're very familiar with. We say, oh, I'm just in a season of waiting. I'm in a season of praying. God has me in a season of fasting. I'm in a season where I'm learning. I'm in a season that's changing. I'm just in this season that doesn't feel like it's ever going to end. I think maybe you get my drift and we Christians are always in a season. And although, of course, I'm poking a little bit of fun at that very idea, the truth is, is that there are seasons to life and that they are very real and they are impactful in so many different ways during the scope of our time on earth. So the service that I was at was on this very topic and I was picked to be the spokeswoman for the ones who find themselves in the season of being in their 30s and 40s. And immediately when I began to think about this topic, I was kind of like, what am I supposed to speak on? Because my life, you know, my 30s has not been the season of life that most women in their 30s, most women my age are dealing with. And I was wondering if I was really the right woman for this because I'm not the woman that they say that I should be at this point. As an almost middle-aged woman, you know, there are a lot of opinions flying around me all the time. They say by now, don't you want to be married? They say, 
I should have kids. They say, aren't you being a bit selfish by not doing all these things? They say, shouldn't you be out of your parents' house? Don't you want to move out and pay your own bills? You know, still others would say, good for you. Enjoy your freedom while you can. Do all you can while you can, because this season of your life is not going to last forever. And there are a ton of different opinions and there are a lot of words and they says that vie for my attention. There's a lot of questions that I ask myself, but what I can settle on is that there are a few things that I have found to be true in life, that each season will pass. Praise God on the fact of some of those seasons passing. And in the fact and in the truth of them passing, there is always going to be someone who will have something to say about our life and what they think. They will be a they say in our lives. But when it comes down to it, will I be more focused on what they say or will I focus on what he says, on what God says? I was reading in the book of Matthew chapter 5. This is the book that begins with the Sermon on the Mount and those blessed Beatitudes. And as Jesus has just finished sharing these Beatitudes, he begins to speak about the law. And he begins to talk about this long list of, you have heard it said, or for the sake of this moment, I'm going to call it the they says. They say, don't do this or don't do that. They say, do this and not that. They say, this is acceptable and this is not acceptable. He said, you have heard it said, don't murder an eye for an eye. Don't commit adultery. Don't make an oath except you are using God's name. But each time after they said, Jesus said, but I say unto you. And this I say in the Greek is the emphatic personal pronoun. So basically that means that it places the emphasis on the subject, on the person who is speaking. And it was kind of like, hey, they may say that, but I want you to listen to me. I say, but I say. And friends, I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that's full of comparisons and opinions, especially the Western culture. We hear them all the time. Everybody, of course, you're entitled to your opinion and everybody wants you to know about it. And everybody's looking to compare one another. And they are so exhausting whenever we think of all of the opinions and the comparisons of man. And if I try to live according to what they say, what everybody else thinks about what I'm doing, what I've accomplished in my life or what I haven't accomplished. Am I just spinning my wills or am I actually doing something of importance that matters? I mean, even Google has a different they say with every search that I make. Somebody is always saying something different all of the time. And for me, I have lived under this feeling of constantly being judged and measured. And that doesn't even mean by anybody else. I'm talking about judging and measuring myself. I am very much my own worst critic. I don't need anybody else to be critical of me. I can handle that myself. 
But you know what, friends? It was never God's desire for us to live by the they says, even if they were said with good intention. But rather, I believe that it's God's desire for us to learn to live by what he says. That at the end of the day, it's what he says that matters above all. What if in every season of our lives, what if we're learning that we are learning? What if we never stop learning? What if we're learning that we can be gracious to ourselves? What if we're learning that we're not always going to get it right according to everybody else in their standard? What if we're learning that it's not always up to what they all say whether or not we stand or we fall before God. What if you and I simply follow the one whose say really matters the most in our lives? And friends, I am learning that I will never stop learning unless I choose to do so. And right now, I'm learning that I cannot afford any longer to live my life in comparisons because you know what it does? It robs me of me. It robs me of the life that God created and intended for me to live and to have. It robs me of me actually expressing the expression of God that he has placed within me. We're all created in the image and the likeness of God. And whenever you and I come to Jesus and we have received him as Lord of our lives, he has restored the image that we lost in the Garden of Eden through sin back to us. And he has restored to us the expression of himself that he made for us to live and to exude upon the earth. So when I fall into this place of comparison and of the they says, I'm robbing myself of me. I'm robbing God of who he has created me to be and how I'll express him in the earth. And if I am so busy trying to follow what everybody else does, then I'm going to miss following him. And I'm going to miss living in the fullness that he has promised to me. And I'm going to miss a life that not only satisfies me, but glorifies him. And I'm going to get lost in the they says instead of living in the he says. And I think about the woman at the well, and I was reading about her this morning in John chapter 4. I love her story in her encounter with Jesus. She was a woman who was very much trapped in the they says of life, and she was so unsatisfied. We could see her in a continual search for satisfaction just in the number of men that she had been with. And her conversation with Jesus very much was the language of the they say. She said, they say that Jews don't talk to Samaritans. So why are you talking to me? They say that Jacob gave us this well. Are you greater than our father Jacob? She said, you know, we worship here on this mountain and the Jews, they say that we should worship in Jerusalem. So you can just hear this continual they say in her speech and in her conversation. And finally, 
she just comes to this conclusion that when the Messiah comes, we're going to ask him and we're going to listen to what he says because he's going to know all things. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't address everything that they said to her, all of the they says of her life. Instead, he actually said to her, I am he that is speaking to you. She said, when Messiah comes, he's going to He's going to tell us the truth. And Jesus said, I that am speaking to you, I am he. Actually, he just said, I am, which would have been amazing for her to hear because this I am was the holy and the sacred name by which the God of the Jews chose to make himself known to them. That certainly would have gotten her attention because this name Yahweh, I am, was not a name that they said very lightly. There was this heaviness and there was this weight upon it. So whenever Jesus said, the one that is speaking to you, I am, all of a sudden, it was kind of like, you may have heard it said, but I am right now is talking. And I want you to listen to what I have to say. The one that you're waiting for, it's me. So I want you to follow me. You see, the comparison trap and the they says are something that we all face. It's not just women. It's men that face it as well. I look at Peter, and especially in John chapter 21. And I love Peter because I just, I have this affinity with him. Um, I feel a lot like him many times in my life. I have been zealous, but I have been careless in that zeal. Uh, I have found myself wishing that I could take back things that I have said. I have discovered that at times my temper has got the best of me. And I have found that there are times that I have really, 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 really wanted to be the very best number one follower of Jesus. And in the midst of those times, I have seen the reality of myself And I'm not as strong as I thought. I've been weak and I've been afraid and I've run away in the times whenever it really mattered the most that I stick up for what I believed in. And we see in John 21 that this star pupil of Jesus, he had gone back to what he always knew. He went back to fishing. He went back to the place where he first encountered Jesus. It was on the sea of his everyday life, his day by day, doing what he always did, casting out the net, casting out that bait, doing his work that Jesus met him. And Jesus said to him in that first place, follow me. And Peter did that. He followed wholeheartedly. The scripture tells us immediately that he with his friends, they forsook their nets and they began to follow. And we see these men marching through life, 
through towns and through villages in front of religious leaders and sitting with what would be known as the scum of the earth. And he was listening and learning and having revelations and being told off. If there was anybody that experienced a scope of life, it was Peter. Peter experienced a whole lot of they says, and he participated in a whole lot of saying. But then we also know that he heard a lot of what Jesus said. And maybe one of the things that Jesus or that Peter would remember that Jesus spoke were words as simple as the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So now we see Peter in John 21 and there's a whole lot of water that has gone under the bridge in the scope of his experience. And Peter has no doubt believed that he has failed himself. And he probably thinks that I have failed Jesus a hundred million percent. And here he is just back doing what he has always done before. And here we find Jesus not put off by the fact that Peter went back to what he knew. Instead, Jesus went right back there with him and met him there. And he says to Peter, he says, Peter, after you eat some fish and your belly's full, he said, Peter, do you love me? And three times Jesus asked Peter again and again and again, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, you know, I, I wonder how many times Peter was wondering, how many times are you going to ask me this? And Peter says, you know that I do, Lord. And I can almost hear in Peter's voice how I have felt at times, maybe in exasperation, kind of thinking like, Lord, I love you with all of the understanding of love that I have at this point in my life. What more do you want me to do? What what can I do? What must I do? And, you know, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Pete, you're going to face some rough times and there's going to be things that you're going to go through that you don't want to go through and people are going to take you where you don't want to go. But I want you to do something. I want you to follow me. And like so many of us, so many of us, Peter falls right into the comparison trap, right in this pivotal moment. And he looks at John, the apostle that's writing this gospel for us. And he says to, to Jesus, he says, but Jesus, what about him? What's he going to do? What, what, what will this man beside me do? And so many times in my life, I can look back and I see myself caught in that same trap. I find myself saying, what about them? I want to be like them. Or by now, they say that I should have this or I should have that. Life should look like this or life should look like that. Do this or that and you'll be successful and you'll be somebody who has done well for the Lord. You have followed well. And I've said, Lord, why me? Why am I here dealing with this? This isn't fair or this is too hard. I. What about this? I did what they said and it didn't work out for me just like they said that it would. 
See, friends, comparisons are a trap. They are like a well without water. They're like continually putting down a bucket into this empty place and working and working to draw and never getting anything satisfying in return. And I have looked at other people and I have tried to gauge my success or my failure based on them and there they say in their life. And if I'm honest, sometimes I've even looked at other people in order to kind of make myself feel better. To be like, I'm not doing so bad, look at them. To maybe look at my own life and be like, they're not as committed as I am or they haven't put in the time like I've put in the time. I have judged them and I've judged myself. But friends, what I'm learning is that there's one judge and it's only what he says that really matters in the end. So Jesus's response to Peter's whole, what about this man, Lord, is a lot like he responds to us. He doesn't give us the details at all. He's not like one of us ladies who would go into this full descriptive memo about what was going to happen or not happen. Instead, Jesus just says, follow me. So right now, my life is maybe not the typical 30 slash 40 something life. I'm not running to band camp or to basketball practice. I'm not maintaining a home or a mortgage. I'm working a job. I'm doing a podcast. I'm sharing the word every single day of my life, whether it's something live like this or whether it's moment by moment in my everyday as I walk the streets of my life, I am enjoying life in a whole new way, a way that I never knew that I could. I'm laughing. I am freaking out because I don't know what it is that I'm doing. But what I do know, friends, is that I am not who they say that I am nor am I yet who God fully knows that I am, who he says that I am. But what I am doing is I'm just following his voice. And in this season, just like every other season of life, I'm learning that that voice sounds very patient and that voice sounds kind and that voice is good and that voice is loving, and that voice is jealous, and that voice is holy and honorable and strong, and he is faithful. So in this moment today, friends, whose say are you going to live by? There's always going to be someone with a different spin on life, with a different way. And even now, there's always someone with a different truth. You live your truth and I'll live my truth. But friends, all of those voices, no matter what they say, will never trump the voice of the one who invites us to follow him. There's never going to be another way, truth, or life except for Jesus Christ. There will never be another that will satisfy us so purely and so deeply and so wholly as Jesus. In our part, it's just simply up to us to hear him and to respond to what he says. 
Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you put to silence the they says in our life, that we have an opportunity in every moment, in in every season of life to hear what you're saying, that your word is the ultimate I say over our lives, that what you speak to us through a rhema word, through a living word, through a now word is an you say over our lives, Lord. May we live as people that are so consumed with what you say that we dare not live by another. May we be people that are so enamored with who you have called us to be that we dare not try to live as another. May we be that mirror of your image. May we be the expression of yourself into the earth as only we can individually and specifically be. Father, may we allow the they says to grow silent so that we can live our life by what you say. I thank you, Father, for giving us courage and boldness to follow you in every season of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining me for this moment with Miranda. I hope you were blessed, and I hope, as always, that you will remember how much Jesus loves you, and so do I. Join me again another time for more Moment with Miranda. God bless you.